This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. We were talking on Thursday. <clears throat> I forgot to finish the uh, end of the shtickle. We pointed out that you're trying to get 30 days of shoifer during the month of El, and you have to figure out how to work the 30 days. If you start the second day of Rosh Chodesh, the first day of Rosh Chodesh, you count two days of Rosh Hashanah as one. And we pointed out that you're never really getting 30 days anyways because we don't blow shoifer on Shabbos. So uh, I, what I meant to finish up saying was there is an interesting practice. They quote what they used to do in Prague. And the Echreinim are very disturbed by this. But it seems like the minute in Prague was they used to blow the shoifer on Matzah Shabbos. And there's a whole Shiloh, did they do it before Avdallah or after Avdallah? But many Echreinim are up in arms because the assumption is we don't blow shoifer Balayla. Even though if you look in the Rishonim, and we've discussed this in the past, and I don't want to get into this now, many Rishonim bring down the original minute to blow shoifer, Shachris Arvis, which sounds like they blew shoifer at night. But the Echreinim already said, no, Arvis meant Mincha time. It didn't mean Mayrif time or night time. So they have this whole issue, how did they blow shoifer in Prague after, again, Matzah Shabbos, it has to be after Shabbos is over. So if you held like Minik Prague, you got yourself Shafer on Shabbos also. Even though it's widely not accepted practice, Taka, we don't blow Shafer on Shabbos. What? <laughs> I guess it depends how you look at it. Maybe it was Taka twice on Sunday. So this time of the year, we have to get familiar with the Sefer, the Mata Ephraim. So before we get familiar with the Sefer, we have to know who the author of the Sefer was. So the author, the author of the Sefer, the Mata Ephraim, was authored by Rabbi Ephraim Zaman Margolis. Ephraim Zaman Margolis was a very big Talmud Chachim. He was born in the year 1762, and he died in the year 1828. So we're looking at the bulk of his greatness was sometime in the late 1700s and early 1800s. He never really had a rabbinic position. He was a very wealthy businessman. He was a banker, independently wealthy. He didn't need a rabbinic position to make money, so he didn't take a rabbinic position. But he was well-respected in his town of Brud, which is Ukraine, and he was battled many times with the local Rav, and many times he won with the local Rav in Psach Halacha. He was very well respected, and he wrote many very famous Svarim. The most famous that people know about is the Matef, right? It's the guidebook, the handbook, starting from Rosh Chodesh Elul till Motzei Sukkis. Now they have, you can buy them now, separate Sefer Matef, right? It is the guidebook of what you need to know, all Jewish-related facts, starting from Chodesh Elul all the way till Motzei Yomtev of Sukkis. <clears throat> He wrote other very famous farm, the Shari Ephraim, which is on Hilchas Kriya Satayra. But this Sefer that he wrote for this time of the year is the Mata Ephraim. Now it's interesting, he had a famous brother also. His brother wrote the commentary on the Sari Shochanar called the Shari Tshuva. Not to be confused with the Shari Tshuva of Rabbi Yoyna, he wrote a commentary on the Sari Shochanar called the Shari Tshuva. That was written by his brother, Chaim Mordechai. Some people, Taina, it was really written by Ephraim Zan Magolz. Also, I think as of now, most historians believe it was written by his brother, that Sefer the Shari Tshuva. So that's the Sefer Mata Ephraim. Now the Mishnah Brura quotes it without making a big deal about it. He'll quote things coming from the Mata Ephraim, and he won't say Mata Ephraim. It's just like he'll quote it, and you're supposed to assume it comes from the Mata Ephraim. However, it's interesting, some things that the Mata Ephraim brings down is not recorded by the Mishnah Brura. So you got to know what he decided to bring and what he decided not to bring. So some people learn the Sefer Mata Ephraim straight. I remember when I was in high school, they taught us Mata Ephraim straight. We learned straight through the Mata Ephraim. But not every Mata Ephraim is going to be brought down in the Mishtabur by the later Echreim. But there's always interesting things to be found in the Mata Ephraim. So some things that the Mata Ephraim brings down are brought down by others also. Let's start like this. The Mata Ephraim brings down a practice which is not his Chiddush. Again, most of the Mata Ephraim is not his independent Chiddushim. He was recording practices that he came across throughout his life in his communities. So one practice that he brings down which is not his own practice, it actually is brought down already in the Rishonim. 
that when a person writes a letter, we'll call it today an email, with another Jew, and it's during the month of El, you're supposed to write at the end of the letter, wishing him a ksiva v'chasim You're supposed to put somewhere into the letter a holiday greetings of a good year. He writes such a practice, and that's recorded by the Kitzur Shulchan Aruch, and going back to the El Yerabah, quoting the Maharil already, such a practice existed, that we, we, and this is a lot of people do when they see each other. They, oh, I'm not going to see it till after Rosh Hashanah, the original practice was in, in writing. When people used to send each other letters and writings, they would somewhere, either in the beginning of the letter, or the end of the letter, they would end off the letter wishing each other, they bring down a cute remez, which is an interesting remez from the Pasuk of Aishalu Ish Lereyehu. They say the Seifei Tevis, if you jumble them around, come out to be El. So you see, you're supposed to which, ask each other how they're doing, even though that Pasuk they're talking about borrowing, but there's a remez to greeting each other during the month of El. Then the Matafraim brings down another practice, which is negated to us last, month, last night. The Matafraim says you have to be extra careful with Kiddush Levan in the month of El. That's why we did Kiddush Levan last night, even though it was before Zion. But uh, granted, the Matafraim says don't do it before Zion. But we'll take the first half of the Matafraim, where he writes you should be very careful when it comes to Kiddush Levan in the month of El. That's one month. You want to make sure not to miss Kiddush Levan. Baruch Hashem, we were able to get it last night. They also bring down a practice that some people do at Taurus the Dharm not only on Erev Rosh Hashanah, but they do at Taurus the Dharm even earlier. And they bring a remez, because it says in the Pasuk, so that's spelled Elul. But some people say, yeah, but it's the end of the, it's what we call Seif Etevis. So you do at Taurus the Dharm, Seif Elul. Seif Elul is Erev Rosh Hashanah. The Svaradim grad do at Taurus the Dharm much more frequently than Ashkenazim. I think they do it every Friday, they do at Taurus the Dharm. They don't take chances with the Dharm, they do it much more frequently than we do. The Matafraim brings down another practice which is not recorded in the Mishnabura. And the practice is that you should have your tefillin and your mezuzahs checked in the month of El. This became very popular today in Klai Yisrael. People, many shuls have seifim come down, they sit a whole Sunday, and they check everyone's tefillin and everyone's mezuzah. Now, this is an interesting practice because al pi Allah, it's not required. If you look in Shulchan Aruch in Yeridea, Mechabe Paskas, based on the Gemara Numa, that your mezuzahs only have to be checked once, every, twice every seven years. Then you only have to check your mezuzahs twice every seven years. And the Paiskim say you should make it once every three and a half years. So if you only check them once every three and a half years, you don't have to check them every single level. So clearly this practice, this minug, is not al-pi Allah. Al-pi Allah, you don't have to check them that frequently. But again, the Mishtabruah does not bring down this practice about checking your tefillin and mezuzahs during El. But the Matafraim does bring it down. And what about your tefillin? So tefillin is even more interesting. If you look at Shulchan Aruch, the Mechabah says, tefillin that you put on every single day, you never need to check them. Never. You never need to check your tefillin. If it was written by a good cipher, re- reputable cipher, says the Shulchan Aruch, you never need to check your tefillin. So why do people check their tefillin? So the Magad Avram writes, no, even though really you don't have to check your tefillin, it's Kedai to check your tefillin every once in a while. He doesn't say how often. So some people say, oh, just like your mezuzahs, just like you check your mezuzahs every three and a half years, you should check your tefillin every three and a half years also. <clears throat> There's a machoikis katempe rachreinim, Rebel Yashiv held, it's not kadari check your mezuzahs every uh, three and a half years. He says, today our mezuzahs are so well protected from the different uh, weather, and therefore they're safe. You do not need to check them every three and a half years. You can go much longer without checking them. Others disagreed, Rebchaim Kanevsky, and others said, no, we still stick to the letter of the law. We check our, t- we check our mezuzahs uh, once every three and a half years. Rebshah Mizama was not a very big fan of checking the tefillin too frequently. He felt that the more frequently you check your tefillin, it does, it's not good. And therefore he said, very, very often a person does more harm than good when he checks his tefillin. So unless you have a shyly, you think something happened, it fell or whatever, it's better not to check your tefillin. But again, today, you'll look around in the neighborhood, they have these big tefillin. And again, 
we were talking about this over Shabbos, we're very big advocates for checking Stam, but Lav Dafka doesn't have to be in the month of Elul, but nonetheless, that has become a very big practice in Klai Yisrael. What has not become a big practice which is recorded by the Mate Afrayim and by the Mishtabura, is that they both bring down a practice that every single day, starting from Bez Elul, not on Rosh Chodesh, but after Elul, a person should say, Betzibur ten kapitlech tehillim. Why ten kapitlech tehillim? Because the agenda is, you want to finish all of Sefer Tehillim two times before Rosh Hashanah. Now why do you want to finish Sefer Tehillim two times before Rosh Hashanah? Because that equals the, the gematria of the word Kaper. Kaper is 300, 150 capital Tehillim times 2 is 300. Now normally you'd say yourself that's so not a Litzvisha type of thing. The answer is when it comes to Rosh Hashanah, we see we are extremely symbolic. We'll get to it as we get closer to Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is the one time that everyone gets very symbolic. So here the Mishnah Guru brings down this practice, as does the Mount of Rhyme. It comes from the Mount of Rhyme. That you're supposed to say capital Tehillim 10 capital a day gets you to 150. 150 times 2 gets you to 300. This has not become as popular. I don't know why, but this is definitely not as popular as checking Yitzhul and Mezuzahs, which is for sure not a chiv. You definitely don't have to check Yitzhul and Mezuzahs every, every yellow. But this Mishnah is something that we should try to be, I guess, bizarre in. The stipler, they asked the stipler once, what was your uncle, the Chazanish's practice? Chazanish was a real Kalta Litvak from Vilma. He said, of course my uncle said 10, prog- ten kapitlach every single day. That's the halacha. And it wasn't like a shayla, like this is like a Chazanish practice. This was a partial halacha, like everyone did. Litvish Jews also. Not sure why it hasn't become as popular as other things in Klai Yisrael. Again, this doesn't even cost you money. Bring your stuff to the site, you gotta pay for it. Then you have all the shilohs about if I take my mezuzah off and I put it back on, do I have to make a new bracha? It depends how long it's off. This is just easy, just say tell them. It doesn't cost you a penny. So in many shuls, they say taka bitzibur. It's a whole process. It said bitzibur and there's a kaddish afterwards. But the contemporary priest can point out if you don't have a tzibur doing it, fine, forget the tzibur, do it by yourself. Every day after, you should say, send 10 kapitlach tehillim to get you through finishing the sefer twice before Rosh Hashanah. However, the Paiskim do point out, like we said by the kinnis, sometimes it's not about rushing, 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 mumbling to get through the words to make a check that you said tehillim 10 prakim. It's supposed to be felt, it's supposed to be meant to be felt with feeling and emotion. And therefore, if you're not feeling it and you're just mumbling through the words, it might not be as powerful as you think. Um, but make it right you don't need a tzibur. Anyone, tomorrow, anytime you want, sit down, say, ten kapitlach tehillim. This takes us to an old shayla, which we started to talk about, and we stopped. <coughs> it's what about saying tehillim balayla? <clears throat> Let's say you're so busy during the day, you, you don't have time after shachos, you don't have time after noon. The only time you have is nighttime. You, know, you come home tonight after shul, you have plenty of time. I'll talk my tehillim then. So this discusses a shayla we mentioned way back about an arizal that, had a, that held you're not supposed to say tanach balayla. Person is not supposed to recite Psukim of the Torah by heart, but by at nighttime. So the question is, is Tehillim count? So this is again already big, big machloikis in, in, in Nigla and in Nister. Again, for a Chayla, if Rahman al someone is very sick, the assumed practice is we will say Tehillim even though it's nighttime. But many people held that no, you should only say after Chatzais. Because we know after Chatzais is a little bit no longer strict Midas Adin. It's not Rachmim like it is during the day, but it's not heavy Din. That's why we say Slichas after Chatzais. Others held it doesn't make a difference. And the third camp said it's Bukhlam not a problem to say Tehillim. Tehillim is not included whatsoever in this, restri- this limitation, restriction. Tehillim is mut. So, there could be Yesh Amilismach if you didn't get your 10 capital Tehillim in for the day. Maybe you could say it at night. And many people point out if it's either this or do nothing, it's better to say Tehillim than do nothing. Meaning, if it's like, okay, I can't say Tehillim, that's it, I'm going to read a newspaper, so I might as well say 10 capital Tehillim. Meaning, if either I say the Tehillim, I'm going to learn Gemara. 
I'm going to listen to a shear of, okay, maybe you should say the tell during the day. But if it's either this, you're not saying anything. You're not doing anything. This is it. Now and ever. So then we'll probably be Kedai to say the Tehillim. But again, maybe we'll talk about this we'll get closer to the Yom Adin. But there's a very big emphasis amongst very Litzvish Jews about the Hashivas of Tehillim. Tehillim is a very Dover Chosh of Ad Moida, especially on Rosh Hashanah and leading up to the Yom Adin. So I think we should try to uh, make this campaign to bring this practice back of the reciting of the Tehillim. The Mat Ephraim also writes that you should not only work on your tefillah and mitzvahs, you should work on all mitzvahs, all areas in life that need tikkun, now is the time to look into them. So I would just suggest something for us as a tzibur. I know uh, we have a little bit of a problem in our minyanam, we have a lot of noises going on, pings and bangs and things going off. We should work on this for El, that we should turn our phones off when we come to shul. Either don't bring it to shul in the first place, and if you need to bring it to shul, be extra sorry that it's off. It's very disturbing to people to hear sounds and bings and bangs. It's just not fair to the tzibur. So just like the Mat Ephraim says, we look into doing mitzvahs better, I think this is something we should look into. Let's consider either leaving our phones at home, or if you need to bring the Me'ezetam Shi'ia, again, I'm not here to judge anyone's personal life, but just make sure there's silence. It's just not fair to the tzibur to disturb with sounds and, and, and noises that are not necessary to our David. I don't know